Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to episode 10 of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Today's episode topic is really near and dear to my heart, not only because I have grown up as a child of divorced parents, and it's been tough, but I also see people struggling with this so much in my private practice. It's something I help so many families through, and my friend Andre has agreed to come and talk from her own experience of what it's been like to parent her children peacefully as possible with her ex-husband. Andrea is a mom and a local business owner here in Houston. She is the co-founder of the Odom Consulting Group, which she runs with her sister, Robin. Andrea has three children, ages 18, 17, and 14. She loves to travel, volunteer, plan events and outings with friends, and spend time with her large, close-knit family. And that's one of the things that I've really admired about you, Andrea, is your family, your extended family in particular, is so close and just so loving and always there for each other. And I just love seeing that on your social media and hearing about that in your life. Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yes, my family is. It's it's one of those things I don't take for granted. But I mean, especially during COVID, it's hard because we love getting together and we don't have that right now. Oh, I'm sure, because that's just such a part of your family identity from the time I've known you. Now, we met. I do like to tell kind of listeners how we met. And we met, I think probably we met first when our daughters were in school mm-hmm. together. Yep, we did. Um at elementary school. And then we got to know each other a little bit better when um, our sons went to school. Your son was a year behind my youngest and I was the mentor mom for the incoming. Um, That's right. Freshman. I remember we met right? it, We met initially in elementary school, but I forgot we yeah. reconnected as mentor moms in high school for our boys. Yeah, because I remember I, re- I remember you coming to our house. I had like a little wine and cheese. You and- sure did. I remember talking to you, really getting to know you at that brunch and more. And that's where I think we connected more. And then really, we I've really loved our friendship over the last year online because we've really talked about, I think, a lot of issues facing women and moms and, um, you know, just our boys' school and different things. And so I've really enjoyed our friendship. And then when I was looking for somebody to come and talk about peaceful co-parenting in one of our phone conversations, you talked about, Oh, I know I saw you and your husband take your son to visit college. Mm -hmm. Yep. We did. And I was so impressed. And so I really wanted you because one of my goals in this podcast is to have people who are walking the walk, not just the experts doing the research, but the people who are out there living the situation. And so that's why I really wanted you to come and talk about this. So Could you start by telling us um, a little bit of background before we jump into the topic of peaceful co-parenting, how you found yourself peaceful co-parenting in your family dynamics? So um, I have been divorced for a little over nine years now, and we were married for 14 Mm -hmm. years. And so Mm -hmm. our kids were pretty young when we divorced. 
And, um, you know, when you say peaceful co-parenting, I'm striving to always be better. It's not always peaceful. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I think I try to do, even when I get it wrong, you always want to come back and get it right and say, okay, what, what, what would our kids love? And so you mentioned about us going to, to visit colleges together. And to me, there was just no other option. And people say, oh, that's so great. And I don't want to be the kind of person who shuns, you know, appreciation. But to me, it just seems so natural. How else would you do it? How else could Mm -hmm. we go and make our son feel like he was the center of attention? And, you know, we rode together and we, you know, laughed about it and had dinner while we were there and did all of the things that we would have done if we were married to have our experience be unique for our son. Mm-hmm. Do your children, I just got to chill because that was not my experience. My parents are divorced. And I mean, even, I don't know if it was 20 years later or 15 years later at my wedding, they couldn't even be in the same room. Yeah, that's um, stressful. So yeah. Do your kids appreciate and recognize that what you guys do for them? Well, I mean, you know, how much do kids really appreciate anything until they get <laughs> right. older? Right. So, I mean, I, I, I think they do. You hope they do. You really just don't know. And I mean, there's times, you know, where they've seen us at odds as well. And so they see the good. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably don't say as much about the good. I think they just absorb it. And I think they just live mm-hmm. in it. And I hope later mm-hmm. on when they look back at those experiences, because I think that's what our our, our total life experience is about looking back and saying, hey, how did that make me feel? And so mm. I hope that we have set a stage on the times that we've done it good to make them feel whole and supported. And on the times that we've done it bad, I've said, hey, you know what? I apologize because we missed we messed up on that one. And I don't ever want to make them feel like the kids of divorce, that they're being pulled mm. and having a tug of war between mom and dad and between two sides. That's really really a good model to set for them because you're right. None of us do it perfectly in any family. And so to be able to be humble enough to say, Hey, we didn't get that one right, but we're trying is I think really a valuable gift because it also teaches them to see when they have a part in a problem as well. Yeah. And I think what I've always tried to do is to never make it where the kid is the one who has to do the pushing and the pulling and the communicating. Now, as they have become Mm. older, it has gotten to where, you know, my oldest is 18 and my second is Mm -hmm. 17. So there's a lot that they don't need from a daily communication. They both have cars. They're both independently, you know, mobile and can move between Mm -hmm. our two houses, you know, but I've got Mm -hmm. my 14 year old who still needs some guidance and some help, you know, especially as she's going through her adolescent swings. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and the relationship between father and daughter at this age is so critical in how she'll make choices later on. So that's, yeah, that one requires probably a little more handholding in, you know, encouraging that relationship. It does. It does. And we're, we're all struggling through that right now because, you know, she's a daddy's Mm -hmm. girl and, you know, we're living in two separate houses and there's two separate sets of rules, you know? And then, so Mm -hmm. sometimes he and I have to come together when we can to push back against her playing both sides Mm -hmm. and dad said this and mom Mm -hmm. said this, you know, and sometimes even when Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I've got to pick up the phone and say, okay, she said this. And she said, you said this, is that true? And he's like, no, Mm -hmm. no way I said that. (laughs) And so sometimes it's us having to join together, even when we really don't want to, to join together as a force against the kids. 
So. Oh, yeah, because they use that. Man, kids can tell if there is a crack in the armor, yep. they dig in that crack <laughs> with a crowbar. Yes. <laughs> that is yep. true. They are that smart yet manipulative little beings. Yep. That's right. So I want to ask you, because, you know, I work with so many families and some of them are, you know, starting the process of divorce and they always ask for advice on how to prepare your kids, where to tell them, how to tell them, how did you prepare for that day? And and how did you do that? I'm glad you asked that. And I know we've talked about that. And that's something that's really important to me, um, especially with so many parents, families dealing with divorce or being on the brink of making that decision. I went and mm-hmm. bought, I think maybe four or five books and I said, okay, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do this, you know, I, and it was, you know, my, I was the one that initiated the divorce, you know, and I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to make sure I do it right. And I think the biggest thing that I can share with families is if you, if, and when you choose one, if you can be on the same page with your spouse and if you guys can do it together, it's very hard. It's very hard, but it's always best. Mm-hmm. And second, if you don't tell them at home, because this is something that I mm-hmm. read in my research that kids will never forget where they were when they, when their parents mm-hmm. told them that they were getting a divorce. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to make sure it was actually kind of odd. We got a beach house and we just went away mm-hmm. for a long weekend and mm-hmm. we told the kids and, you know, they were young. I think they were maybe six, five and three. And so they were, they were mm-hmm. little, but they had a chance to, to cry and to be upset. And then we talked about it and then we had a chance to fish and, you know, pool and just kind of be, and just kind of be in mm-hmm. that moment. So as difficult as it was, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I'm really, really glad that we did it that way. Yeah, that's, that is so good. I got chills when you were seeing it because um, I don't know if I've shared this on my podcast before, but my parents are divorced and they divorced when I was, um, oh, I guess they separated when I was in sixth grade or so. And I don't know if it was final until maybe like ninth that's a grade hard time or too. eighth grade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was there was a lot of back and forth and a lot of court. It was awful. But but I always tell people it was the best thing that ever happened to me in a way, because it actually helped me find this career. And it's why I'm so passionate about what I do is because what I went through. But my parents didn't do it this way. Like we kind of found out by mistake, like there was no sit down. And like you, I've really done the research help guide my families and you're right your points are do it together and I know that's not always possible sometimes it's hard anger. yes oh. and you know and I always tell people don't like you said don't do it in the family living room don't take them to their favorite place um, sometimes people think well if they cry or they scream or they get upset I want to be at home but you're right you it's kind of like where you were when you heard somebody die uh-huh. or when this humongous historical event happens yep. in your life you'll never forget never that you forget do not it. want your family home and yeah, it's counterintuitive though that. it's counterintuitive because people right? think let's do something familiar let's do something but what you don't realize that you're doing and I didn't realize you know I mean I wasn't just given this knowledge I found, I went to research and find out what the best yeah. thing was to do and that's something that you're taking away that happy memory from mm-hmm. from them mm-hmm mm-hmm I agree. What I do really like and what I'm sure was so hard about your situation, and I have to be honest, I haven't heard any families do this, is that that you had that protected time then after you told them at the beach as a family 
So, you know what you, you started, I have this saying I, I share with a lot of people, start as you mean to go. And what I mean is if you want something to look a certain way, start it that way. So you started with this peaceful, we're in this together and we're still going to be a family, even if we're divorced, because here we are as a family this weekend. Yeah. You know, that's what we try to do. And I've tried to do that over the years. Um, you know, one of the things that I really, really try to do is even when it's hard, ooh, and sometimes it's hard, I want to do what I didn't like the feeling have happened to me. And I'll use the mm -hmm. examples of holidays. Um, for most Christmases, if I, because of course you've got custody and who has them on which Christmas. And I always try to be inclusive because I have had where I've not woken up with my kids on Christmas day. And that's hurtful mm -hmm. as they're younger, you know? And mm -hmm. so one of the things that I tried and that we started doing is, you know, I would say, hey, come over for breakfast and be here when the kids wake up, you know? And so we've done that sometimes. And sometimes some years we've done it great and some years we haven't. I mean, we're human. And so, you know, I want to talk about the positive, but I would hate if my ex-husband listens to this and he's like, yeah. wait a minute, you're not a saint, you know, but we just try. We, 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 we mess up. But guess what? Every time we mess up, we turn around and we try to come back and we try to get it right. Andrea, that's all anybody can do. Yeah. I mean, my my next question for you, you know, relates to this because like I said, I work with so many people and the anger and the hurt is so deep. And, you know, here you are, we're talking about trying to come together um, with somebody that, you know, you're deciding to not be married to anymore. And so it's hard to be peaceful when you're mad or you're hurt. Yep. And so what are your suggestions? Do you think that's even possible for most people? How to move past that for the sake of your kids? Well, I hate to say this. You almost have to look at it as a business. It's emotional, mm. but you really have to look at it as a business. When my oldest was going to college, we had boxes we needed to check. We had college visits we had to do. We had things we had to navigate. And I am very much a compartmentalizer. And so for mm. me, I'm like, hey, this goes in this bucket. We're like, okay, check the box, check the box, check the box. And I share this. It's really funny. I think we had had some kind of a, a fight about something, me and my ex-husband. And we weren't really speaking prior to mm -hmm. time for Dylan to go to college. And then he just texts me out of the blue. And he was like, hey, the oldest is going to college. What's the plan? And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I bought the bedding. I bought this. What time do you want to leave? <laughs> what time do we do this? The move-in time is this. And we just, it's, it's really, really weird, but we just went into go mode because it's what we knew we had to do. And the five of us went all together. We had the most amazing weekend. We laughed. We had a patio brunch here and there. We fought over mm -hmm. whether the picture was crooked or not, or where the TV should go. <laughs> we did normal family stuff and it was great. And I also wanted my kids to see we're doing this for our oldest. This is exactly what we're going to come together and do for each of you. It is the best gift you are giving your children. I can tell you that as an adult, gosh, this is the second podcast recording in a row. I'm, I'm crying. Like I, as I listen to you talk and I know it's hard, it is I know hard. it is not easy, yeah. but you are giving, you, you are giving them a gift, which I know you know on some level, but you don't know on the level I know because your parents have this long, wonderful marriage, you know, marriage, and you have this wonderful extended family and, and thinking about your extended family, which is so involved. One of the things that I've loved watching is, um, you guys have 
Well, usually when someone goes to college, you have these big parties we for them do. and everybody gives them advice. And you can talk about that in a minute, even though it's a little off topic, I'd love for you to share that because it's a great connection way. And when your son went, it was on Zoom, um, but it was still so beautiful. You shared part of it and I loved watching it. And, you know, I have not in a jealous way because I'm so happy for you, but in a, I wish I had that kind of way because I don't, we don't have a big family, but how do you handle this with your extended family? Because I imagine that maintaining relationships with in-laws, like maybe his family was mad at you if you initiated the divorce, or maybe your family had trouble with him or he was embarrassed. Like, how do you handle the extended part of it? You know, it's interesting. I'm going to go in two ways. I'll tell a quick anecdote about my family and then about his family. So um, he has, um, his parents are divorced as well, but they are both remarried Mm -hmm. and have been longstanding remarried, beautiful marriages for 20, 30 plus years, ever since I've known him. And so when Mm -hmm. we were planning our wedding, we had to do the, not as bad as, you know, what you said, but we had to have the consideration, Mm -hmm. well, my parents really don't, you know, like to be around each other too much. So let's sit them over here. And so I just remember thinking through that, like, wow, okay, but no big deal. Let's just plan, you know, that little hiccup and wrinkle. And so um, we have been, had our ups and downs as well because everybody takes a side, right? And so Mm -hmm. I think, again, what we have done is gotten to the point where, hey, how can we help the children. And my motto is anybody who loves my children, I love you forever. So we found a common Mm. love and a common bond for the kids because they want to see my kids grow and they want to see my kids thrive. And so every now and then they'll text me and say, how are they doing? And how are their grades? And are they struggling in this? And Hey, I want to send aid in this. And is this the right size? And you know, that kind of thing. So we definitely have um, a good relationship for the kids. Definitely. And then I'll share something on the side of my family which yeah. is funny. So when we got a red, when I told my parents, you know, I was getting divorced, my dad, I'm the youngest of three. And so it's funny because mm-hmm. my dad, you know, was like, Oh, you know, you're just being spoiled. And so he calls my ex-husband up and was like, Hey, let's go have a beer. I'm sure she's just, you know, having a moment. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so my family still welcomes him with open arms. We recently celebrated my grandmother's hundredth birthday. And I think he was the second person in line that came through the little drive through parade mm-hmm. to give her some flowers and, you know, He's definitely still very welcome and very much a part of my family, loves all my nieces and nephews and everybody. It's wonderful. You are doing it right. And I I hear you and I love your humility to say I'm not doing it perfectly because like I said earlier, nobody is. But just I love what you just said. Anybody who loves my children, I love you forever. Yeah. And I just think really I keep harping in on that because I think it's important to tell people because like I said at the beginning, we are all just trying to figure it out behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And I think I I love it, but I hate it when people say, Oh my gosh, you make it look so easy because it's not. And I, I definitely Mm -hmm. don't want people to beat themselves up because they're saying, well, wow, I can't do it that easily. It's not easy. Yeah, no. And I don't think you do make it look easy. It looks like, um, you know, what, what people would like. Right. But yeah, it is easy because sometimes, you know, a lot of the stories I hear of people going through divorce, there were affairs or there was substance abuse or there was, you know, verbal or physical violence, or there was, you know, things that are really hard to forgive. And, um, those things really compound that hurt and anger. And then also, you know, I think it's best, you know, kind of circling back to how you tell your children, 
you know, we talked, I think your, your advice about doing it together if possible was great and finding a neutral location. But I also tell people in that conversation, you only tell them a, what, you know, because they'll say like, well, who are we going to live with? Or how's vacation yep. going to happen? You, you don't, you just, you know what you know. And the other things you say, well, we don't really know that yet, but we're going to figure it out together as a family. Um, but also it's not good to say, well, it's because daddy cheated or because mommy takes prescription pills yeah. or to finger point or blame because that is not the kids. No, business. it's not. But what um, we've had to navigate is as the kids have gotten older, you've got to have different mm -hmm. and adult conversations with the kids. You know, he started right. dating somebody and, you know, moved that person into his home. And, you know, then those mm -hmm. are conversations that I had to have with my kids. And, you know, it's mm -hmm. as they get, because like I said, they were young, but as they get older, mm -hmm. you do have to reevaluate, okay, how much is necessary for you to know and how much is going to help you understand what we work on behind the scenes. Like my oldest is 18, you know? So, I mean, mm -hmm. technically he's an adult, he's not really an adult, but there are conversations, <laughs> thinks he is, but there are conversations I have yep. with him and with my 17 year old that I won't have with my 14 year old. Right. And so right. that makes it even and more complex because you've got to evaluate everybody's readiness to receive everything on different levels because they're not stupid. You know, that is such a great point and, and so important because you're right. It's kind of like the sex talk is not one talk. It's a lifelong conversation or a years long conversation. It's sort of the same thing with the divorce talk, really. It's it's a many years long conversation because there are things that are really not appropriate to tell young children surrounding a divorce. But as kids get older, it's really important. You know, I've had a couple families that maybe the dad or the mom um, was narcissistic personality disorder. That's not something you tell uh -huh. a six-year-old. They wouldn't understand it. But you know what? When they're playing, when they're gaslighting your young adult child or they're making threats not to pay for college unless, you know, you do X, Y, and Z, or regardless, and I've had many of these cases over the years, then it does become important to share more information with your child for their own benefit. You're right. As, as they get older, you have to evaluate what's appropriate to tell them. Yeah. Great and to points. give it to them in small doses too, you know, because mm -hmm. I think there have been times where, you know, he said something and I've either said, okay, well, do I explore this? Or do I say, hey, we'll talk about that when you get older. And so you've got to navigate mm -hmm. around some of that because, like I said, we're human and we have emotions that are wrapped up in us trying to raise these three children that we created together, you know. And so mm -hmm. another thing that I always want to make sure that I do that I don't think we talked about is holidays and birthdays. My, my yeah, motto yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. How do you handle my, that? Well, for gifts sake, my motto is until my kids are old enough to earn money to purchase gifts for their dad, that is my responsibility to make sure that they do. And I've tried to model that for them. You know, hey, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to get your dad this, or do you guys want to go pick this out? And I've always tried to make sure that for Christmas and for his birthday, he's got gifts for his children. Um, again, because I had it happen to me where I didn't have anything. And the feeling that I had, I never wanted that feeling to be pushed back out onto anybody else. And so mm -hmm. the one year that it didn't happen, that was a lesson for my kids. I pulled up to Marshall's and I gave my kids a $100 bill. And I said, you guys go in there and you guys go figure out what you're going to get me for my birthday. And it wasn't for a mm -hmm. selfish way. It was to teach them how mm. you honor and celebrate the people in your life that you love and that it's important. Mm -hmm. 
That's really good. That's really good. And it hasn't happened since. I think I sent a message to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Message did. received. <laughs> but that's how they learn. I mean, that's what you have yep. to do. I really like that because you could have just gotten angry and bitter and salt. I know. You know, but you didn't. You took action into your own hands and... And you taught your kids, and it sounds like maybe taught your I ex, know. too, and said that's Because <laughs> I think they probably went and said, okay, Dad, we're not going to let that happen again because Mom was mad. So, Well, speaking of that, we touched on this a little bit, but I haven't asked this question exactly. I want to give you a chance to address it if there's other things. What has been the hardest thing to do or the biggest recurring challenge over these last nine years? I think it's communication, without a doubt. Communication, mm-hmm. whether it's communicating with scheduling, um, whether it's communicating with um, our parenting styles, because you have two different households and two different sets of rules. And so we're -hmm. not always on the same page where I say, Hey, she's coming to your house for the weekend and she's grounded. You know, sometimes it's, well, Mm -hmm. you don't tell me what to do in my house and you don't make the rules. And so Mm -hmm. I've had to balance that with understanding. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned through that is I, he's not my husband. We are trying to co-parent. But he's going to do things his way and I'm going to do things my way. And we can only try when we don't see eye to eye to find some kind of common ground. Sometimes we find it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't. And so communication without a doubt has been the hardest thing. And it's still hard. It's still hard. We had a communication Mm -hmm. flub last week, you know, again, because Mm -hmm. we still have our 14 year old that we're trying to raise and communicating about different things that she's going through and different challenges. So communication, hands down, 100 percent. And so in that communication, it sounds like trying to reach compromise and then just trying to respect your individual differences. Is that kind of the thing that you have to keep doing, keep working It is. And it's also our communication styles. Um, I am very chatty Mm -hmm. and very direct. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times here's another thing that I think people in divorce have to realize that no matter how long we are divorced and no matter how I evolve or how he evolves, I am going to see him as my ex-husband who I divorced and he's going to see me as the ex-wife he divorced. And so it's hard Mm. for us to adjust that lens. And so I try to be mindful of that because I'm seeing him as the person that I knew him 10 years ago, you know, and he's probably still not that same person, but it's not like we've done in-depth co-parenting counseling, which I don't think is a bad idea, but we all evolve and we all change, but it's hard because the emotions and the history is there, right? So mm-hmm. I have a way that I views him and he has a way that he views me. And a lot of times we can't shake that. So that I think roots at a lot of our communication issues. You're right. And that's so valuable. I think for people listening that are in it to hear, because you might not always be aware that you're viewing that person through that somewhat outdated yep, lens. Yep. And it's funny because I laugh at myself because I'm like, oh, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. But what you are you going to do about it? Stop. I know. It's really difficult. It's really hard. But I'm aware. You know, it's this, It's the same in our families. Like, so I grew up, I mean, it's not the same, but an analogy that comes to mind, I grew up in the Philadelphia area and people don't usually know that. They'll say, oh, you don't really have an accent. But I've lived here more now, actually, than where I grew up. But when I go home, I start right into mm-hmm. that Philadelphia accent. My, my family says, oh, Philly girl's coming out because I get more aggressive. I get uh-huh. louder. I talk faster. And it's like when you go home, you revert to who you were. And in your relationship, even though you've both changed and grown dramatically, 
But when you come together, you probably revert back a little bit to who you were. Oh, too, we do. You know? It's so funny that you say that because like I said, we'll have different little, you know, back and forth. And we did, we kind of had an exchange the other day and I did, I was like, oh my gosh, I went back. Yeah, I did. But then you realize mm-hmm. that some of those old feelings of the conflict bubble up and they're not gone. Yeah. No. And, and they're not serving any purpose. So it is good. You see it. I think it is really good. You see it. And it sounds like you work to kind of move past that. And, um, but I work with some people that they don't even, they're not even aware of that. So I think that's going to be really valuable for people to listen to in this. So I have lots of divorced families in my practice. And one of the things they're talking about with me a lot is that things have gotten really messy with visitation during COVID and quarantine and lockdown and co-parents have different standards. Um, You know, I've got some families where one parent is a physician in a hospital, so they're exposed all the time. And the other ones are really not going anywhere and kind of, these are different times and require a lot more um, like coordination. And so how have you handled that? It's kind of fluctuated. Um, As I mentioned, because my two oldest have cars and they drive um, and one is now off in college. But when quarantine first started, um, it was one of those things where my middle son had been spending a lot of time at um, his dad's house. And I just kind of had to tell him like, hey, if we're kind of going to go on shutdown, where you start is kind of where you're going to stay for a minute. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. And I remember um, I wanted us all to come together for Easter. And so that was the first time that we had really seen him. Him and I would kind of do play dates at the park. I say play dates, mm-hmm. he's 17. Yeah. <laughs> but play tennis or play volleyball mm-hmm. or have a picnic. Because we literally, I didn't hug him because mm-hmm. we were in separate homes. And mm-hmm. so I think the struggle comes with everybody deciding what is your level of activity going to be. And I knew that we were way more strict than my ex was. And so I was just, you know, taking that time to say, hey, I can't really tell you what to do over there, as we talked about, but just keep my kids safe, you know, yeah. just don't get him sick. And that was a struggle because then the mama bear comes out and you want to go into protective mode. But mm. I remember the first time that I had him come over was Easter. And so we opened up the patio doors and we kind of put the table outside because, again, that was our first time kind of being all around. And we were very, very strict lockdown at home for mm. the first several months. So I think you just have to find that balance. It, what really works best is if all the parents can be on the same page and say, Hey, what's your level of activity? Okay. I'm not doing indoor dining. I'm not doing this, you know, but I don't think that's always possible. I haven't had one fam, one divorced family in my practice where the parents were on the same page, not well, one. Good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> and you know what? It's been drastic. Like where one is traveling and not ever wearing a mask. And the other one is like not leaving home. I mean, not exactly. I'm exaggerating, but, but there've been, and it's interesting to me because I'm thinking like, Hmm, you look at how people handle a situation, a stressful situation. And, and I'm not judging the way anybody's handling it. I'm trying not to judge the way anybody's handling it. But when you see something like this and you see two parties handle it so differently, it kind of makes sense of maybe why the marriage didn't work sometimes to me, you know, as a counselor, I'm like, okay, these people both are responding to these things very, very differently. Um, Whereas I also also think coming through it as we change what we were doing in March Mm -hmm. is not what we're doing right now in November, you know, it's changed because I mean, we went through a a period of time where we didn't, I didn't step foot inside of any restaurant or anything Mm -hmm. and restaurants were closed. Well, now 
if you look around sometimes in Houston, you would think that the virus is gone and that things are just back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've all learned that we've had to be adaptable. We have to stick to what works for us. And what I, what I really heard you saying with, if you have shared custody and visitation and you have to do what's really the healthiest and best for you and your kids, but you also have to control what you can control because you can't control what's going on in the other person's house. Absolutely. And I mean, we honestly didn't even really talk about it. And I guess if my ex wanted to, you know, flex or put his foot down, he Mm -hmm. could have said, no, we're doing every other weekend. And I just, you know, we just, we never really even talked about it. I just kind of said, Hey, you know, you keep him over there and I'm going to keep these two over here until things, you know, lighten up. And then I think there were some times where he um, came by and sat outside and, and visited with the kids, which is weird, you know, and it almost yeah. feels it almost feels very off putting because here's the father of my kids. But yeah. you're not coming in my house. I mean, so yeah. it was odd. It is. It's such a strange time, but it is temporary. And that's what I keep telling people, you know, just take one day at a time, one week at a time. It feels like forever now. I think we all have pandemic fatigue. I know. I think everybody's getting tired of it. But as I mentioned, it's changed because like Uh I said, if he came over there to visit in March, then fast forward to October, I had him over and cooked, uh, you know, a birthday dinner and we all sat down and watched baseball Mm -hmm. and had dinner for his birthday. I mean, so Mm. it just, that's so nice. Thank you. Pat me on the back for that one. (laughs) That is big. That is big. Yeah. You know what? Again, it makes the kids happy. I asked Justin what he wanted to do for his dad's birthday. And he definitely said, Hey, you know, will you cook? And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, sure. And I, and I just did it because, and it made the kids happy. Oh, and you cook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys, if you don't follow Andrea, you need to just, I mean, there's so many reasons to follow her, but you need to see her cooking. I often don't, I'm always like, yum, how'd you make that? And I love your cooking too. I think it's funny during quarantine and especially on social media, you start to be like, oh, that's like my social media best friend. And I'm watching you make all these recipes, but no, I love it. It's fun. And I love cooking with the kids and just trying this stuff. And that is how I feel. And I invited myself over for your cooking after quarantine. (laughs) Exactly. I know. (laughs) And I'm coming. I forget. I'm going to write my list too of what, because there are certain things you make that I'm like, oh, I want that. I want that. But yeah, a lot of it's like what I would call Southern food, you know, like you make uh, well, you eat really healthy too, but like the things I drool over are like your mac and cheese and your fried shrimp or, you know. I know when I make the unhealthy stuff, when I go bad, I go real bad. But when I go good, I'm grilled, uh, grilling chicken and asparagus yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I'm all over the place. And you cook with your kids too, right? I do. You know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I did with them, and this happened a couple of years ago. Um, I wanted to make sure that all of my kids could make four meals without mm-hmm. my help. And so mm-hmm. I think I, I can't even count all the things that they can make now. But I remember I was blown away because Justin chose, I forget what his, what his entree was, but he also chose to make an apple pie from scratch, which mm-hmm. I've never made. But wow. it's just interesting now that I know um, when my oldest went to college before it was, of course, quarantine and the dining hall for um, him wasn't open. And so mm-hmm. I was really thought it was really cute. He made dinner for him and like four of his friends. I was like, look at you making dinner in college. 
Isn't that nice? Yep. It's so nice to see that. Yeah. All right. I know we're getting off track, but that's what I love about these conversations we sometimes do. But in closing, what is one piece of practical wisdom you can offer the people listening today to help their connection um, with their ex-spouse for the sake of the children? Oh, I would just say keep trying and keep extending the olive branch. And it's I'm going to use all the cliches. Keep turning the other Mm -hmm. cheek. Keep being the bigger person. You have to keep doing all of that. And I'm not saying at all that I'm the bigger person, but sometimes I'm the push. And if I want to, you know, if we fall out and we haven't spoken, you know, for a week and then I say, hey, you know, Aiden's, you know, presentation is coming up at school. You want to meet at six? And he's like, sure, Mm -hmm. I'll be there. I mean, so just mm-hmm. always try. And even when it feels like your olive branch is being whittled down to a little nub and at times <laughs> it will, I'm telling you, just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying because your kids are worth it. And there are times where you're going to throw your hands up and you're like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Ta- that's okay. Take a break, take a break. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the best way. Take a break, step back and then allow yourself to feel everything that you're going through and then come back and try again. Just keep trying. I think that's one thing that our friends will say, and they've seen us, you know, on our good days, co-parenting, and they've seen us on our bad days. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. they've seen us all come together. You know, like you said, my big family, my big group of village and my big group of friends will all come Mm -hmm. together together to celebrate the kids because that's really what it's about. That that's key. And, and you know what you've said throughout this whole conversation is that you have to put the kids first and compartmentalize your feelings, your hurt, your anger, your difficulties, because their well-being should be the first priority and everything else kind of matters yeah. second or third or fourth. And and it t- you're right. It takes practice and effort. And um, and I also love, I want to thank you for being so real because I know there will be people who are listening to this and saying in their head, this isn't possible. You don't know my ex. You don't know my situation. Um, and so I think your, your final advice of just keep trying, everybody can do that. And forgive yourself because I think as long as yeah. you can... I can look back and I can look at times where I've had interactions with my ex where I was like, eh, you didn't show up as your best self. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. As long as I'm recognizing it and then the next time I'm trying to do better. And again, I just Mm -hmm. want to drive home. Nobody's going to get it right all the time, but just keep Mm -hmm. trying, keep trying. Mm -hmm. Great advice. This has been such a good conversation. Where can people find you if they want to follow you or do you have anything you want to promote or talk about? Um, So I, you know what, it's interesting because I talked to you about a podcast. I'm really, really interested in setting up one and coming up with kind of my topics Mm -hmm. and finding my voice. Uh, For right now, I just have my personal Instagram. So tread lightly if you want to follow me there. (laughs) Yeah, and tell everybody what it is. It's just a busy mom at Instagram. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just a busy Mm -hmm. mom on Instagram. And I I go on and on on everything from, you know, some political to some of the racial tensions that we're facing in our country, which I've really appreciated your allyship and your support. And we've had some really great conversations over the past several months. Um, We have. have. And I've loved that and treasured that, too. And I've brought some of your 
advice in your conversations to my family dinner table. I appreciate I it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I also have uh, my wonderful business that I run with my sister. We have a consultant firm here, a consulting firm here in Houston, the Odom Consulting Group. And so we handle everything from business strategy to marketing, PR, helping small companies find their voice, strategic planning. So if you've got a problem, we can help figure out how to solve it for you. I've loved watching the little bit you share about that and watching your business grow. And, um, you know, so sometimes you'll post a little sneak peek at events or things you're doing. And, it's yeah. a lot of fun. People should... And I, it's funny because I have a personal page. And so I don't really share that much about my business, which is um, yeah. theodemgroup.com. That's our website. But okay. we, I really do a lot of personal stuff. I don't really share that much about business, but I do run my business with my sister, which is so much yeah. fun. And it's, 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 it's just been a joy. That's really, really nice. No, I think everybody, I think they would really enjoy. I love seeing your page. I love seeing everything that you post. Yeah, there's some political, there's some family, there's um, just women empowering women and and yeah, just everything. It's a wonderful, wonderful page. So uh, we'll put it in the show notes too for people to follow. So thank you so much for taking time out. Of your busy I day to love talk to this. Us this. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area. This episode was edited and produced by Sonia Kerrigan.